Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Can we read this out loud and loudly and let's fill this house with the voice of God's word today. By the way, if you need notes, just raise your hand and... uh, Mr. Charles here will pass those out, okay? Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Let's read out loud and loudly. Ready? Read. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe you receive them, and you will have them. Who said this? Jesus. And who does this apply to? Whoever. Whoever. Right? Whoever says. See, because they looked and said, Peter came back after he cursed the tree and said, Master, look, the tree which you cursed is withered from the ground. And Jesus didn't stand up and say, that's because I'm Jesus. Didn't you know I'm Jesus? Come on, somebody, I'm Jesus, right? No, he came back and he said, whoever says. See, Jesus is always trying to get faith back into you and me. He's always trying to come back and say, it's not just my faith that'll work. It's your faith that'll work. And sometimes we don't have enough believing in what God's put inside of us that our biggest prayer is, God, would you move the mountain? Jesus didn't say pray that God would move the mountain. Jesus said whoever says and believes would the mountain would be moved. He's trying to get back faith into us. He would see miracles over and over, and he'd come back and say, by the way, your faith made you whole. Why is he telling him that? It's not because he doesn't want you to look at him. But it's because he wants to encourage us and encourage our faith that we need to believe God. How many would say my faith needs to increase? Yeah, and be encouraged. We need to believe God. We need to know that when we speak God's will and believe God's will, it can happen. And that's the way it should be. So Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Can we read this together? Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Uh, I want to remind you this scenario of that. It was this guy, the father came up with a mute son. Son didn't speak, and the spirit would come upon the son, and the the spirit would throw him into the fire, and the spirit would throw him into the water. And the father came back to Jesus and said, "I tried to bring him to the disciples, and they couldn't uh, they couldn't heal him." He said, "But if you can do it, they're, they're, he's looking again to Jesus." And I want you to notice Jesus turned the tables and said, "No, if you can believe, you didn't even need to bring him to the disciples. You didn't even need to bring him to me. If you can believe." All things. In fact, read this together. This is what Jesus told, told the guy back. See, Jesus is trying to get us encouraged to use our faith and believe God's will. So he says back to the Father, Jesus said to him, read it with me. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Just encourage your own faith for a minute and let's say that. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Would you just put your hand over your chest And say this together today, if I can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Say it one more time. If I can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and he said with tears, Lord, I believe. 
help my unbelief. <laughs> Don't we find ourselves in that place all the time? Lord, I believe. Lord, I'm a man of faith. I believe. And then we come to up to the circumstance. We come up to the situation and we're like, uh, help my unbelief because I'm really not believing right now. Right? It may, be a, it may be physical healing. That the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And you need healing. And you say, Lord, I believe that you're my healer. And then all of a sudden you feel that pain in your body. The same pain you felt for a long time, right? And you say, well, I guess it didn't work. I'll have to find a different person to pray. But let me tell you, if Jesus looked back and said, no, if you can believe all things are possible, let me tell you what you need for healing. You need God's word. And you need to speak it and you need to believe it until it becomes reality in your heart. Because what happens? You are in touch with yourself. You know when people say, oh, they're really in touch. That, that, sometimes that means you're in touch with your mind and your thoughts. Sometimes it means you're in touch with your emotions and your feelings. Sometimes it means you're in touch with your own pain. But let me tell you what we need to be in touch with. We need to be, to be in touch with the reality of God's word. We need to become, in fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence. In court, you can say his word against her word, but, uh, but if someone has evidence and brings evidence, what happens? It validates, it's proof. The Bible says that our faith on the inside is the evidence of the things we don't see. So what do we have to do? We have to speak it and we have to believe God's word. I'm, again, I'm not just talking about have faith in faith. I'm talking about having faith in the word of the Lord, in the word of the Lord. So, well, I believe, but help my unbelief. I'm praying for a loved one, but they don't seem to be turning. I have a financial need and I'm asking God to help me, but I, I don't see any change. I'm up against, I'm in bondage. I've asked God for deliverance and I felt, I went and got prayed for and I've been delivered, but I keep going back to that same thing that's wrecking me. What do I do? Help my unbelief. Well, why, how can we believe and have unbelief? How can we believe and not believe at the same time? How can we do that? And that's what I want to answer. Number one, how can I believe and not believe? Well, here's why. Because we process situations and things through, and you can write this in, our heart and our soul. We could also say our spirit and our soul. We process things through our heart and our soul. With our heart, we can believe. Notice Jesus didn't say he who uh, says and believes with their mind. No, he said he who believes and, and he who says and believes with their heart, with their heart. So it's because the reason why we can have doubt and unbelief at the same time is because we have a filter on the inside of us that processes uh, both with our spirits, with our hearts, and with our souls. And our soul is made up of our mind, our intellect, our thoughts, our will, what we want to do. Some people just don't want to do, I, I'm just not going to do it. And our emotions, how we feel. Well, I don't really feel like that. Well, that's our soul. Mind, will, and emotions. And sometimes we can uh, get deceived and think that that's really God because it's our feelings and it's on the inside. No, it's the same place on the inside. But let me tell you, when God speaks to you, he doesn't speak to your body. He doesn't speak to your mind. He speaks to your spirit. He speaks to your heart. It says in Romans chapter 8 
that the spirit bears witness with our spirit, right? So he speaks to your spirit on the inside. So I believe, but help my unbelief. How can I believe and not, how can I believe and not believe at the same time? Because we process things through both of our heart and our soul. So part of us believes, but another part of us uh, questions. Anybody ever been there before? <laughs> Maybe you, you're, not, you're there right now about a situation that you believe, but you don't believe at the same time. In fact, you hear this saying that they say, well, I want to believe what you're saying. You probably said this. I want to believe, but I just can't really see it. Have you ever said that? I want to believe what you're saying. But I just, I just can't get my head around it. So I'm not there yet. Well, with the heart one believes, but your head has a time that needs to catch up. In fact, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, we all know it. It says, trust in the Lord. Say it with me. Trust in the Lord with all your, with all what? Your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. So let me ask you, if the Bible says to do something, can we do it? Yeah. Can we trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, but our heads still think something else? Yeah. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and not your head. Trust in the Lord with your heart, not your head. Somebody say it to themselves. I trust in the Lord with all of my heart and not my head. Not my emotions. Not my feelings. Not my intellect. I trust with my heart. I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. And I lean not on my own understanding. See, there are two kinds of faith. There are two kinds of faith we see in the Bible. And you can write this in. There is head faith and there is heart faith. There is head faith and there's heart faith. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something to you that's going to show you what these two things are. Head faith and heart faith. It's why we believe but we don't believe. Believe but we don't believe. And I believe this is going to help everybody today. There's two kinds. Head faith and heart faith. Head faith is Thomas faith. Heart faith is Abraham faith. Thomas, if you remember, was a disciple of the Lord who walked and talked with Jesus, but he still had a hard time believing. He was basically the guy whose main motto was, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Did he have faith? He did, but he had to see it because he was really smart. A lot of times really smart people are Thomas people. They'll say, I believe the Lord, but I got to see the evidence first. I got to prove it. I got to study it. I got to read the books. I got to do all this stuff. And then they say, okay. Got enough evidence, I'll believe it. Well, that's head faith. It's Thomas faith. I want you to see John chapter 20 and verse 25. It says, the other disciples therefore said to him, this is when Jesus returned back to his disciples. And he didn't really believe it was Jesus. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And he said to them, unless I see, somebody say, unless I see. This is what Thomas. Unless I see in his hands the prince in his nails and put my finger in the prince of his nails, Put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Notice he said, unless I see, I won't believe. I'll believe it when I see it. And after the eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. Then he said, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your side here and put it in my side. Do, uh, he says, do not be unbelieving but believing. See, even though Thomas had head faith, Jesus still, that's where he was. So Jesus was still right there with him, right? He said, hey, if you need to, if you need to see it to believe it, I can show you. I can show you those things. Remember Jesus said, at one point he said, a wicked generation seeks for a sign. He's like, I'll show you a sign. <laughs> what about the sign of Jonah, right? 
See, if you have to see miracles to believe the word of God, if you have to see or feel, you're going to have a certain level of faith, and Jesus will deal with you at that level. But at some point when you mature and grow up, we have to believe without seeing or feeling. So he said, okay, you can, you can, you can reach your hand and touch my, touch my, uh, the, the, the nail, you know, gap in my side or in my hand, and you can touch my side. He says, do not be unbelieving, but be believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. <laughs> Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because... Read this with me. Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. See, I'm sure Thomas was like, oh, my Lord and my God, it's you. Right? He's like, and Jesus is like, hey, you're blessed because you believe. But you'd be more blessed if you didn't have to see me to believe. If I didn't have to prove I mean, it's nice when God proves himself to you, but it's nice when you believe even when he doesn't. Thomas had head faith. Unless I see, I will not believe. You know, some, some people are researchers, and I think research is great. I like to research things. But some people will research so much that they have to have evidence to believe. But I want to remind you when Jesus brought up the little child and said, unless you receive the kingdom of God, they don't even read, much less research. And he said, unless you receive the things of God as a little child, you can't enter it. You can't really understand it. You can't catch it. Listen, we all need to be able to receive the kingdom of God and the things of God just because he said it. Somebody say amen. And then there's heart faith. Heart faith. Heart faith is Abraham faith. It's the faith of Abraham. It says in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He told this old man who was 100 years old, and his wife, who couldn't have a baby for 90 years, she was barren. And he said, you're going to have a baby. It's almost like, huh, why don't you tell me like 50 years ago I'm going to have a baby. Because I haven't been able to have a baby. I'm 90. He's 100, right? But God speaks to him and says this. It's written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed. God, who gives life to the dead, notice what he does, and say this with me. He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That statement is faith. Listen, he calls those things, say it with me, he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. He calls things which aren't there as though they're there. That's faith. It didn't say that faith looks at things that are there and calls them not. You know, the person that comes and goes, how are you doing? <coughs> are you good? <coughs> I'm healed. I'm good. <coughs> no, faith isn't necessarily just calling the things that you have like, oh, I'm in denial. No, but what does faith do? Faith looks at something that's not, that you don't see, but you call it into reality. Just like God did. He, the Bible says he, in fact, God was the very first one in the great hall of faith chapter that was the guy who stepped out in faith. It was God himself. It wasn't just man. The Bible says by faith we see that the worlds were framed by the words of God. God himself has faith. God himself believed. God himself called everything we see by something. Everything we see was made by things that were not seen. He spoke it. He believed it. And we need to call into reality. 
the will of God over our lives. If you're in a funk, if you're underneath, what do you need to do? You need to call into reality the will of God, the word of God. Find the word of God and call it into reality. Jesus said you can have what you say, but instead we say what we have. And we're wondering why it's not working. So what do we need to say? We need to say what God says. He says here, I have made you a father of many nations. Verse 18, it says, who contrary to hope, in hope believes so that he became the father of many nations. I want you to notice God spoke something, but he didn't become it until many years later. How do you, how do you get to where when God speaks something over your life, how do we get to where now it's reality in our lives? Well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. That's not true. That's a big lie. If it's God's will, it'll just happen. That's not true. I know all kind of people who God has a will for their lives, but they're turning away from God, and they go and, and take their life a whole other direction. It didn't just happen. God gave us a choice. God's will is that everyone be saved. Is that going to happen? No. No, we have to take God's word and believe it and say it and appropriate it and put it into our lives and call what's unseen into the seen realm. But he says here, who contrary to hope, in hope believes so that he became, notice the father of many nations, according to what was spoken. According to what was spoken. You have faith in according to what's, what's God spoke. And what did he say? So shall your descendants be. Look in verse 19 with me. Would you read this with me? And not being weak in faith... He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Again, Sarah's womb didn't just become dead when she got old. It was always dead. He said, but he didn't look at said her, her womb that was dead. He didn't look at his own situation because he was about 100. It says he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith giving glory to God, read this with me, strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform it. What did he do? He had heart faith. Because if he would have had head faith, he would have looked at his body all day long and said, this guy is still in trouble. And this woman is even, us two together makes a real bad combo for a new baby. But he didn't do it. He didn't have, he, he had nothing to look at. In fact, he'd have to close his eyes to see it. Sometimes you have to close your eyes to have heart faith and see it in your heart. It becomes reality in your heart. But if he didn't look at his body or her body, what did he have to look at? He had to look at the words of God. He had to look at the will of God. And he had to speak out the will of God. Contrary to hope and hope believed, not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body. Notice he wasn't in denial that he was 100 and she was uh, uh, dead at 90 as well. But what did he do? He, he, he considered the word of God. He considered the word of God. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, giving glory to God. I want you to notice one of the things that strengthens your faith, praise. Praise. I have a hard time praising. Well, then you're going to have a hard time walking in faith. What is praise? Praise is getting the reality of God's will out of your mouth. Just stopping and saying, thank you, Lord. Somebody say it with me. Thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And when you say it, your mind may feel condemnation. But what do you have to do? You have to say, I don't have head faith. I have heart faith. So what do I say? I say, there is therefore now no condemnation. Say it. There's no condemnation. Because I'm in Christ Jesus. Say this with me. I am 
the righteousness of God in Christ. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I am the head, not the tail. Above only, not beneath. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. See, you begin to say the scripture. You begin to say the word of God. Say this, if God be for me, who can be against me? If you become convinced of that, you can't get discouraged. You can't get depressed. We only get discouraged and depressed because we, we say, well, I don't see the circumstances changed. Well, we need to meditate the word. And like Abraham, even though the circumstances really look bad. I mean, our circumstances don't look as bad as his circumstances. But what do we do? We need to consider the word of God. Many believers, I believe, are, are defeated because they have doubt in their mind. And so what do they do? They feel like they're doubting in their heart. Because they have doubt in their mind, they feel like they're doubting in, in their heart. But, and you can write this in, faith will work in your heart with doubt in your head. I said faith will work in your heart with doubt in your head. I've seen it happen over, I've seen healings happen, deliverance happen. I've seen financial miracles happen that in my head I didn't see how it was going to happen, but in my heart I believed. See, faith will work in your heart. Jesus said whatever things you say and does not doubt in your heart. He didn't say your head. But believes. You believe in your heart, that's how you get saved. You believe for your situation, that's how, you, that's how it happens in your life. So faith will work in your heart with doubt in your head. So what do I do? How can I increase my faith? And this is point two. How can I increase my faith? Well, I'm going to give you three things. Number one is this, feed your faith. Number two is flood your doubt. And number three is guard your heart. Write this in. Feed your faith. Say it with me. Feed your faith. Flood your doubt. Guard your heart. Say it one more time. Feed your faith. Why are you having me say these things? Because that's how you overcome. If you can't say it in church, how are you going to say it outside of church? Come on, somebody. Feed your faith. Flood your doubt. Guard your heart. And I'm going to give you three scriptures for these, okay? Three scriptures for these. Feed your faith. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing. That's why it's so important. When we ask you to go to YouTube and subscribe, it's not just so you can hear Pastor David or watch him again because he's a good-looking dude, though he is. Somebody, amen. But it's, it's, not, it's not for me. It's not for the church. It's not so that we can have more likes and stuff. No, it's for your own faith. You have to feed your faith. Not every preacher you listen to feeds your faith. In fact, here's how you know if they're preaching the word of God. When you're finished, you'll be more impressed with God's word than them. If you're more impressed with the preacher than God's word, then they ha they're, they're a good speaker, good order, right? Good storyteller. But when you walk out, your faith has to be lifted up. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Your spirit speeds on, feeds, your, your spirit feeds on spiritual food just like your physical body feeds on natural food. Your spirit feeds on the word of God. You have to get God's word in every day. It's not quantity, it's consistency. Get God's word in every day. Number two is flood your doubt. Flood your doubt. Look, at, I want you to see this scripture, and this scripture kind of says it all. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That scripture does not even make sense if you're looking at it from a natural point of view. 
We don't look at the things we can see. But we look at the things we can't see. What the heck is he talking about? We look at things that we can't see. We don't look at things that we can see. Well, you remember that God said to to Samuel, God looks at the outward appearance, but man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks. See, God looks at things that's seen, and he's telling you to look at things that are unseen. Look at things you can't see. Look at this. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Why, God? Because the things that are seen are temporary. Literally, it means subject to change. The things that you look at, they're going to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. What is he saying? The things which are not seen are something that your spirit picks up on and believes. And the things which are not seen will change the things that are seen. Everything starts in the spirit. If you're in bondage, it started in the spirit. If you're sick, I believe things, I'm not just saying, you know, someone, you know, got a cold and they were out in the cold or things like that. I'm talking about they're sick and there's something that they just continue and continue. There's what Jesus called a spirit of infirmity, right? There's, there's, the, the spiritual world is alive and going on out there and we don't even realize it. If you're facing a battle, don't try to take it in the natural. Take it in the spiritual. And listen, there's times where you walk out of prayer. In fact, every time you should walk out of prayer having the victory. And if you have the victory, what did he say? Whatever things you desire, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, when you pray, believe you receive it and you will have it. When you pray, believe you receive it and you will have it. When do you receive your prayers? When you pray. When do you see them? You will have them. These signs will follow them who believe. Notice, signs follow believing or believing follow signs? Signs follow believing. We believe when we pray and then we will. That's why you pray. My mom used to call it pray through. We pray through. We get in there, we get, a, we get something, a burden on our heart, and we pray it through. And then you say, it's done. Did you see anything different? Nope, but I received something. I got those who pray. Do you know what I'm talking about? I got, I got the victory. I got the victory in my heart before I saw it with my eyes. So feed your faith, flood your doubt, and then last of all, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, above all else, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do, out of the NIV, it says everything you do, everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart above all else. You want to know where to guard? Guard your heart above all other things. Guard your heart. Doubt may be in your head, but don't allow it to settle into your heart. He goes on and says, you can just leave that scripture up for a moment. Thank you. Uh, In Proverbs 4, he says how to guard your heart. You guard your heart from the gates. And what are the gates? The gates are things you see. The gates are things you hear. And the gates are the things that you say. That's how you guard your heart. Because things you see, things you hear, and things you say are the entryway into your heart. Whenever you go to build upon a property, many of you would know this a lot more than I would, but they'll do soil testing on the property before they do construction. Why? Because they want to see the consistency of the soil and what it's made up of. They want to see the acidity and the pH and stuff to see if it'll sink or how, how much of a foundation they need to lay. If they're doing agriculture in the soil, what do they do? They have to do testing upon the soil. They have to do soil tests. Why? Because if you have nasty stuff down in the soil, contaminants down in the soil, 
than when you go to grow vegetables or corn or you go to grow, you know, string beans or you go to grow. You're going to eat it and those contaminants are going to come out. Let me tell you, if you have doubt in your head, don't let it sink into your heart. Renew your mind before it sinks into your heart. Somebody, amen? amen. In two weeks, I'm going to close this series called Release your, Releasing Your Faith, Releasing Your Faith. But I want us to be like Abraham. Carol, would you come up here? I want us to be like Abraham and have heart faith and not head faith. Have heart faith and not head faith. How does this apply to us? We as a church, the Lord's taking us forward to possess some land. And listen what we need. We need people who believe. God had to narrow down a million people to two people who believed. God wasn't like, why isn't everybody on board? No, he said, actually, I'm going to have to let everybody die off. And I'm only going to take Caleb and Joshua and all the kids. Why? Because they're the ones who could believe. Listen, you know what God wants and you know what I want? I want everybody to be believers and not doubters and go in and possess the land. I believe that the Lord is calling us as a church. I know there's like like hundreds of other churches, maybe thousands of other churches here in, in the city that are believing and we're right there with them. If they're going for the, the, what the Lord's saying, we're right there with them. We're all partnering together. I know we're not the only church. We're just a little church right here in Memphis. But I'll tell you what, God has called us to be believe, a believing church and to have impact. How does this apply to you? How it applies to you is we all, I believe, have to make a decision that we're believers and not doubters. In fact, isn't that what we call us Christians, believers? We're believers and not doubters. Can somebody say it today, I'm a believer. I'm not a doubter. I believe what God says in his word and not what I see and not what I feel. Now let me tell you, I asked uh, Carol Ward to come up and minister whatever she'd like to minister today. And listen, I know that uh, I've been a part of big churches, small churches you know, churches all my life, and there's always constraints because I know that there's time and there's, you know, things with people, but I just told Carol, minister whatever you want to minister, there's no constraints, whatever you want to say. So listen, if you need to get up and you need to go to the bathroom or, or not just go to the bathroom, unless you're, something's leaking, don't, don't go to the bathroom, okay? <laughs> listen, that's, that's crash. I'm, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding with you, I'm just kidding with you, I'm just kidding with you. No, but I, I, I'm just kidding with you. Uh, uh, Unless you really need to go, or if you need to go, uh, you need to go to lunch or you have an appointment or something like that, we understand you can, you can slip up and go. But let me just tell you, a word from the Lord is priceless. Priceless. Let's receive this morning. Thank you, Pastor David. Good to be here. Hallelujah. Amen. Love you all very much. Before I went to Africa... I was washing dishes, and I just want to give you a few testimonies, and then I just, uh, you've been studying faith, so maybe you've already done, done this, but I just want to see God activate something at another level. I was washing dishes in the kitchen in Oklahoma, and the Lord said to me, go get your pen and write this down. You're going to need this. So in the middle of dishes, I stopped what I was doing, and I went and got pen and paper, and uh, the foundation of faith is hearing. Because you can't, you can't get out of the boat on your dad's word or your mom's word. You get out of the boat on his word because you've heard. So faith comes by hearing. Yes, hearing the word. And that's why we pray out loud. 
when we teach our people in Africa, pray out loud because you need to hear yourself say it. When you pray out loud, your faith goes to another level and you are prophesying to yourself. Okay? So if nobody else will prophesy over you, prophesy over yourself. You have the word. And it's the same power. So I need to hear. You're, you're God's sheep. God's sheep hear his voice. You hear a word behind you saying this is the, the way walk in it. When God says that word, there isn't anybody that can steal it from you. You get out of the boat, you walk on water, you move them out. If you know that you know, hey, that's my dad saying that. And, and let me just say, my dad, I'm, I'm a water life-saving instructor, whatever you call it now. But back, back in those days, worked um, teaching water rescue. I learned to swim when I was two because my dad took me and threw me in a 40-foot water hole. That's it. Just swim. Well, he's standing right there. He's going to get me if I go under. I know that. And I swim. And I've been swimming ever since. Now that's faith. That's confidence. But I could see my dad. And I asked the Lord one time, I said, what's your definition of faith for me? He said, fixed focus on face of father. That's all I need to know. You look at the face of the father, you can do anything. So he said, write this down. I was in my kitchen. And I got a pen and paper. And he said, you're going to need to understand three things if you want to walk by faith. Peter was in the boat. Well, so was maybe 11 other people, right? The disciples were in the boat together when Jesus came walking on the water in Luke. Why didn't they all get out of the boat? Why did one man take God at his word? And he said, if you're going to get out of the boat and walk on impossibilities, if you're going to dare to do the impossible... We have a song called Dreamers of Impossible Dreams. We love dreaming impossible dreams because then only God can do it. Don't get a dream that's possible. Get a dream that's impossible. And so 12 people in the boat. And he said, if you're going to step into impossibility, you're going to have to remember these three things. The first thing to overcome is your own thoughts. Take your thoughts captive, 2 Corinthians 10, because your reasoning, as Pastor just said, is, gonna, is going to oppose truth. It's going to oppose the word of God. That's not humanly possible. Well, you're not listening to, to, to your reasoning, okay? You're, you're listening to his voice. Secondly, you're going to have to silence the, the voices in the boat. That's the guard your heart. Because everybody around you is going to tell you, are you crazy? Are you foolish? If you go under, it's going to cost us. In other words, you're fighting that fight of faith is going to cost me something. And everybody around you is going to try to discourage you from stepping into the supernatural because it might cost them something. I was told when I went to Africa, who is going to pay for the, your body to be shipped back in a body bag? Who's going to pay for that? You're going to cause us a problem. And I just said, Lord, if I'm going to take this step of faith, I'm your problem. I'm not their problem. That's what you're doing. You're throwing yourself confidently and completely into the responsibility of the Father. So he had to take his thoughts captive. Then he had to silence the voices in the boat. When he got out of the boat and he started walking, the third thing he had to do was keep his focus fixed. When you start walking on impossibilities, the waves will take you down if you ever look at them.
if you ever look at doubt, disease, the disasters of gunfire and bloodshed, what about no money? Well, we've had no money over there, and we've lived on potatoes and water. Have I ever doubted that God said, come? Never once. Never once. Those three things I face again and again and again and again. But I know his voice. So when he said, come, I come. Remember this. Another way he got me to Africa, and you're going to face these same kind of things because they're in the word. He sent 12 people to spy out revival. Right? Moses sent 12 spies in to spy the land that God's promised them for 40 years you can have it. This is what revival is going to look like. There's some big giants there, some big guys, and those dudes are killers. But I told you you could have the land flowing with milk and honey and promise. I told you you could have Memphis. I told you you could have this territory. You're going to have to take the giants out. So you've done some spiritual mapping. You're walking on that land. And 12 people are going to come back. And he said, two said, 10 said no, two said go. 10 said no, two said go. 10 said no, two said go. It got louder and louder in my ears in the middle of the night. And God said, are you going to believe the 10 or are you going to believe the two? The two chose to believe what I said, not man. When, when the news tells me you can't go there and you can't do that, the first thing that rises up in me and says, watch me. Watch me, because I choose to listen to his voice rather than any fear, any voice of man, any voice of impossibility. So we're told to fight one fight, and that's the fight of faith. And I want to tell you uh, uh, just a story that, uh, about how the devil uh, is, is fighting against your faith. Timothy says fight one fight, not fight people but fight the fight of faith. We were in uh, South Sudan, and we're praying for property. And uh, the devil owns all the property. Okay, so we're going to take it back from him. I don't know, you know, when's the last time godly, righteous, holiness, revival has been established up there. So we're going to take property back to establish the kingdom but I need to buy a piece of land. Finally, after praying and looking and praying and looking, and they said, it's going to cost you $5 million to buy one piece of land. I said, no, it's not. I said, first of all, that's not a problem to God. Secondly, um, it's not going to cost that much. Well, we got a piece of land for $80,000 right in the center of town, which is right where we needed it. And we had a building there we occupied. We put in a radio station. We're preaching the gospel. We're doing Bible distribution, and all these things are happening. Now, I'm in Uganda. I taught that morning in Uganda prophetically about enlarging territories. There's scriptures throughout the whole Bible that says enlarge territories. You want your faith to grow? You're going to have to stretch it. You feed it, but you stretch it. If you don't exercise it. It's never going to grow. Some of you guys got big muscles. And I think the only way you got them is because you worked out, right? You weren't born like that. All right? You got those muscles because you did some heavy lifting. You exercised them. 
And the stronger you want your faith to be, the more you're going to exercise it. So we always say, let me find another mountain. Let's find some more things. we got to stretch our faith. If you're ever comfortable and your faith is not being stretched, you've stopped growing. And so we always look for a stretching, another impossibility, another, uh, another territory to take. And so... I had just finished teaching prophetically. Now, I'm in Uganda. We had just bought that land in South Sudan. Got the title and everything. And I'm teaching about, it's in, it's in Isaiah 49. It's in Isaiah 54 and larger borders. Go take the land. Dispossess nations mightier and greater than you. Deuteronomy 9. All through the word, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. So I'm prophetically teaching. Enlarging the borders of the church through your city. Go take it. Go into darkness. Go possess it. Go repossess it. Go occupy. It's ours. Paid for by the blood of Jesus. Paid in full. Go get it. And the land means people. So I just finished teaching this. No, no sooner had I finished teaching this, I get a phone call from South Sudan. And our key leader says, he says, Mom, we've just been thrown off of our property that we paid for and have a title for. We've been evacuated and told to go, forced by gunpoint. They've locked the gate. We couldn't even pick a dollar. We couldn't pick a piece of paper. We couldn't pick a thing. We've been thrown out, the whole staff, the whole team. The place is locked, and it's been repossessed. I was furious. I was livid. I said, wait a minute. We paid for it. We believed it. We fasted. We've occupied. And now the devil thinks he's going to take it from us. I said, what just happened, God? And he said, the devil came for your words. And I'm going to tell you something. This is another level of warfare. When you start fighting that fight of faith and you declare the promises of God, you have activated war in heaven. You have just activated war. Revelations 12 says, and let me tell you how he explained it to me. I, said, I, I sat there and said, talk to me, Jesus. What does all this mean? And he said, in Matthew 13, the seed sown, four kinds of seed. I won't go into all of that. But some of the seed was eaten by the birds. The seed is the word of God. It didn't take, it was eaten. He said, the devil's going to come for every seed you sow. And he said, but so will heaven come for every seed you sow. And in Daniel chapter 9, when he started his three-week fast, and it took three weeks for the angels of heaven, Michael and Gabriel, to bind the strong man of the prince of the power of the heir over Persia. God said to Daniel, I heard you from the first day. When you start fighting the fight of faith, God's heard you from day one. Don't quit. Don't quit. There's power in perseverance. But he said it took three weeks for Michael to bind the strong man. Took three weeks for the deliverance of the nation. But you know what he said to him? I came for your words. I said, oh. So as soon as I start speaking something by faith to the mountain, 1 Timothy 1.18, do battle with the prophecies you've been given. That, that's your weapons. You speak the prophecies, 1 Timothy 1.18. As soon as I start opening my mouth to speak to that man, get out of my way. We're taking this city. I've activated war in heaven. Okay? The devil has come for my words, and so has heaven. And I've activated a war. And I'm in the middle of it. But guess who wins? <laughs> Amen? So... 
he's downloading this to me because I just finished teaching on it, but I didn't understand those particular concepts. Now I got to fight for this thing. I mean, did, isn't that what Elijah did on Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18? He prophesied, there's going to be rain. There's no cloud in the sky. Nobody else heard it. But by the Spirit, as he called those things that are not those, 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 that as though they are, he had to go fight for it. He let everybody else go party, and he's going to put his face to the ground until that prophecy becomes visible. Somebody's got to fight the fight of faith. And so as soon as the Lord said, you activated war in the heavenlies, I turned to the team because he's talking to me that fast. I turned back to our staff. About 100 were in the prayer meeting that morning uh, in Gulu. And I said, 40-day fast. I said, not optional. We're all fasting 40 days. I said, this is just what happened. And I said, and we're going to empower heaven. We're going to empower heaven because God gave us that land, but we have to fight for the territory he's given us. And just because somebody comes to Jesus, you've prayed 20 years for them to come to Jesus, your fight has just begun, babe. It's just started. You're going to fight to keep them. You're going to fight to keep those kids. You're going to fight to maintain the territory he's given. When you occupy and you move God into the place and the enemy can't move out. So we finished 40-day fast. At the end of those 40 days, without fail, it was the week we finished the 40 days, Juba calls me and says, it was a bribery to the judge, and we were able to get back in to our property full possession. Full possession. So we occupied again, rejoicing. The judge had been bribed, blah, 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 blah. So all that finished, okay? Now, I'm on my way to Juba. Fast forward two or three months later. We've occupied. That's our territory. The radio's winning people. We're winning people to Jesus. I get up to Juba. I'm up there for about a week. All of a sudden, I heard shouting and screaming and banging and clanging in our offices. Big metal doors. I shrieked. I thought, something is happening. And I was soldiers. They had invaded our property. Big seven-foot dinka with AK-47. Government's orders. I'm way back in my little office, which, which serves as my little bedroom, too. And I'm working back there. I get a text message from our accountant. And she said, Mom, the military are here forcing us to evacuate and take control of the property. We, now, mind you, we'd paid a price to occupy. We'd finished 40 days fast to repossess against the lie of the enemy. This is, this is a strong battle. But the reason I'm telling you this is if God's going to take you to another level of faith, you're going to fight a bigger battle. You're not going to stay on the same, same level fighting a battle and expect to go to another level of faith. You got to go to another, you got to go to another battle. You want the faith for it? That's what he wants you to have. But you got to be willing to go there. One school there brought 50 demon-possessed kids in and threw them on the floor in grand mal seizures and says, here, we've closed the school down. Can your God deliver them? Well, we were ready for it because he'd been setting one free and two free. So he trusted us with a greater level of faith. All the kids were delivered. They gave their life to Jesus. We went to the school, reopened it, and started a Bible study there. Occupy. Occupy. So when I got that text message from our accountant, she said, we're being forced at gunpoint to, uh, to evacuate. I'm back in my room, 
And I said to her, I said, Sarita, you do exactly as the soldiers say, but don't tell them I'm here. I got up quietly and I locked my door. Now it's just a, it's a metal door, a little metal door. And those soldiers are kicking things in. They have a right. They have orders to kill anything and everything. And they do. It's a, it's a, it's a military-run nation. <clears throat> they came to my door. I stood quietly in the center of the room. They banged. They shrieked. They kicked the door. And I knew in a second they could kick it in and hold me at gunpoint and take my life because I had defied orders. And I stood in the center of that room, and I had total peace. And I said, God, we fought a battle for this land. And I said, and I'll die on this land because I know you win in the end. And if you need me in death more than life, then use me. But this is your land, and I'm not backing down. And I stood there, and they shrieked, they kicked, they pounded. In a minute, they walked away, and my door was still locked. I heard the big metal gate of our compound close and chains go over it. These walls are about eight feet high. There's no way to climb over them. I'm a prisoner within our compound. All the staff is outside. I waited till it was quiet, and I walked out to the gate, and I looked through a little hole, and they're all on the road on their knees crying out to God. And I said, guys, are you okay? They said, yes. I can't get out. They can't get in. We don't know. Is this going to be days and weeks? I said, just keep praying, and I'm praying from the inside. But I said, this is God's territory, and we're not going anywhere. We stayed on our knees for about six hours, and six hours later, here comes the lawyer with the papers, and he said, it is forever finished. You will never be disturbed again. It had been another bribe. I only say that because God wants to take us from faith to faith, from victory to victory, from glory to glory. And we can never go to another level of faith unless we're willing to face a bigger battle, to face a bigger challenge, to face a bigger impossibility. Now, the last thing, and then I want us to pray and activate faith. In the word, in Genesis, when God was bringing Exodus, uh, uh, Israel, out of uh, captivity in the book of Exodus, remember when they got to the Red Sea? So they faced impossibility. They had death coming at their back, and they had impassable impossibility in front of them. No way. No way but God. They scream, they cry out. They didn't have a lot of faith. This is unbelief. But remember, God's still bringing them out to take them in. Okay? So they're still at a phase, no faith, except Moses's. Moses was given instructions to raise his rod, and God parted the water because of the faith of his servant. All right? You know the rest of the story. Forty years they wandered died out in the wilderness. Why did they have to die out? Because they didn't have any faith. God will never use unbelief to get his work done. He can't. Here, let us die out. Here, let a generation die out that will not believe him for a city, that doesn't believe him for the impossibilities 
of not only one giant to come down, but five of them. Read Joshua 10. Joshua took five giants down at the same time. David took one. Five giants. So after they wandered all those years, that generation died out. He let Joshua and Caleb stay alive. It's time now to go in and possess the promises, the deliverance of your family, the deliverance of the city, the revival flowing with milk and honey, the land that he said they could have. And there's still challenges in it. There's still giants that are going to have to fight. But he's giving it to them. And he tells them to dispossess. They get to the Jordan River. Did God say to Joshua and Caleb, lift your rod, I'm going to do it again? No. I was teaching this to our staff, and I said, we are at a new dispensation of faith. It's another dispensation. Our staff is so funny, you know, over in Africa, because English sometimes isn't white. You hear English. So he went to the, he went to the, to, to the team the next, in the offices. He says, oh, mom was touching about a different depreciation. We're in a different depreciation. <laughs> I said, no, Solomon, it's, it's dispensation. We're in a different season. It's a new thing. God's not going to repeat his instructions for different battles because faith comes by hearing. Are we going to believe him for the faith for today's battles that are not yesterday's plans? That was for yesterday's battle. But he wants us to know that we have the faith to see Jericho's walls come down. And Gideon's 300 men accomplish exploits. And Jehoshaphat's army go in with praises because we heard him. So he says to the guys, this time you're going to do something different. The river has overflowed its banks. It is an impossible situation. And I ain't going to part it. You're going to step into it. That's faith, right? Because they didn't see it part. And they're carrying an ark. And I don't know if that thing was very light. But they got an ark on their shoulders. They got all the people watching. Am I going to drown? Am I going under? Faith is going to make you look very foolish. When you step into something that is absolutely, absurdly impossible. But God, we better know that we've heard him. And we better step out when we have. Or we miss it. And he can never bless doubt and unbelief. So he said, this time, you're going to put your feet into what's totally impossible. And then I'll divide it. And the signs and wonders followed as pastors. Not ahead of them as they did at the Red Sea. This time, it'll follow your obedience. And I just believe, as Pastor was sharing, that there is an activation of another level of faith that God wants. That's why he's teaching it. That's why he's teaching it. He's never going to teach us something that he doesn't say, now go do it. Because faith without works is dead. J James 2 says, if you have faith, show me. Show me. You really believe? Go show me. Go, go do it. You've prayed. Now obey. If there's no works with our faith, it is dead faith. Or if we have works that we just go do something but no faith, it's dead works. They must go together. They must go together. And we must hear. I believe that there are 
impossibilities that God wants you to put your feet in. Maybe you've already done this. I don't know on this, on, 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 as he's been teaching on faith. But I just believe that today. And I believe God wants to activate something in you prophetically. You will need to learn how to prophesy to yourself if you're going to move that mountain. If you're going to take a territory. If you're going to do exploits and if you're going to occupy. You're going to need to prophesy to yourself. That means when I'm standing in that room and they have big guns that they could blow me away with and I'm not going to move. I'm quietly prophesying to myself. But the Lord said, but it is written. But this is God that's moved me here. But Lord, I know your voice and I came in obedience to you. And I'm prophesying that word into my spirit at the time of confronting battle. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness, isn't it? Satan, it is written. He speaks aloud the word of God. And the devil has to go at the power of his spoken word. It's the devil that will flee when we resist him. But it's our mind that we wrestle with. So when you speak it out loud and prophesy to yourself in those times of battle, when the enemy's opposing, are you sure God told you to do that? Are you sure you heard from him? Are you sure that was the spirit of God? And all those thoughts that are going to come against you, you're going to resist them with the power of God's word, but you're going to have to do battle with the prophecies. That's what it means. You prophesy into the situation, but you're prophesying to yourself. I know that I know that I know, thus saith the Lord. I go back to the day that he spoke, and I stand on that word, and you do battle at another level. If we're going to take a city, many cities have been taken and lost in America. Have you heard about revivals of old? In that city, and that city, and that city. They've been taken and lost. I said, God, how did we lose that beachhead? How did we lose that territory after it was taken by the body of Christ with a fight of faith? Because we didn't continue the fight. We became comfortable. And our faith level now depended on what we could see visibly and not invisibly, like Pastor said. It takes the same faith to sustain a work of God as it does to attain it and greater. Attaining it is one thing, but sustaining the move of God and the presence is a whole other thing. So I could go after battle after battle like that story, but testimonies cause us to overcome. We overcome by the word of our testimony. That's why it's so important to speak your victory. Every time victories happen, speak it in the church. Speak it down the street. Speak it in the, in the neighborhood. Speak it in your families. God just did this. Did you see what God did? To you? And then testify because you're solidifying that faith. You're, you're solidifying the move that God just did, the stretching of it. And then I leave you with that challenge. Never get comfortable where you are now. If you're not fighting for something bigger than yourself, stretching that faith at a new point of occupying, then you become complacent and stopped growing. We are to mature in faith. That means we grow up in faith. 
So that's the food. Faith is the food of the champion, somebody said. But if we stop eating it and stop stretching it, we're never going to enlarge the territory of the kingdom of God and what God can do through one willing vessel, obedient. So you hear, you believe in your heart, you, you speak it out of your mouth. So it starts, you know, here. It comes through your heart, and then it comes back out of your mouth, and then you step into it with your feet, with action. So it's a process. You ingest that word. You take it. It activates something sharp in your spirit. It comes back out of your mouth in declarations of confidence because you've seen the face of the Father. So if we, if we just worship, Pastor, and then if, if you all want, wh whoever feels you're facing a Jordan River, whoever feels you've got a Jordan River right in front of you, and the promise of God is on the other side of that river, you're going to have to cross it if you're going to lay hold of the promise. You're going to have to cross it, and it's only crossed by stepping into an impossibility. And that's what God wants to do through your feet. Faith has feet. That's what he wants to do through all of us. If we can't please God without faith, you can't please him without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's a serious word. But with faith, we can do anything. Then isn't it something we better get? Isn't it something we better get and, and we better keep it? And we better stretch it. We better use it. And we better feed it. And we better exercise it. Because we can't, we can't please him in any way. And we want to please the Father. We can't please him without faith. But with it, you can do anything. Exploits. Those who know their God. Some of you just need to come and refocus. You need to see the face of the Father. Not the waves. Not the voices in the boat. But you need to see the face of the Father. And you need to get your focus back on the one who said come. Not the circumstances. But when he says come, and that's where our gaze is. He's the God of the universe, creator of heaven and earth. There's nothing he can't do. And I'm living inside of him. And he's inside of me. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.